Hello, AP essay writers. I hope that your second week of online learning or remote learning is going well, uh, but just in case it isn't, now you get to hear my voice, and I'm sure that's going to brighten your day. So what I'm going to do on this particular podcast is I'm going to go through a few different essays that were written by some of your fellow classmates Word for word, sentence by sentence, I'm grading them out loud. The reason I'm doing this is I want you to see my thought process as I go through an essay. Now, before I get started, I want to lay some ground rules. First thing is, keep in mind how courageous these particular people are for allowing their essays to be criticized by me vocally in front of all of you. Okay? So, be generous to them as you look through their own work. I have described the work in front of you. Well, you will have the work in front of you. I'm going to make sure that everybody has copies of these particular essays so that you can read along. But I'm also going to read them out loud here. The other thing to keep in mind is the reason we're doing this is not because I want to criticize any particular person, but when I start finding flaws and pointing out places where these essays can be better, and these are good essays, I think. I'll tell you why I say I think in a minute. Uh, as you start to see some of those flaws here and there, uh, I hope that it will make all of our writing better. Or at the very least, you'll understand why you're getting the grade it is that you're getting. Okay. Now, I already said I think these are all good essays is because generally speaking, all of you are pretty good writers, okay? Um, but with that in mind, I haven't looked at any of these essays. This is the first time I'm looking at these essays. You're going to hear my unfiltered reaction to these essays as we start, okay? And I'm not going to comment on who did which essays. I don't think that's particularly pertinent. Uh, if somebody wants to claim one at some point in time, they can. But for the most part, I'm going to just go through the essays uh, without a name attached to it. And I am going to be as critical as possible. Even if I think something is done well, I might point out where it's going to be done better or what would have worked better, even if it's just a slight adjustment. Okay. And so with that in mind, I'm going to give you a moment to set up as you need. You should have out uh, any of the essays that they're attached to this so that you can read. I'm going to go through in order. This is essay number one. Okay. Then essay two, and then I'll do essay three. And remember that there are three different steps that I'm looking at. I'm looking at thesis, I'm looking at evidence, and then I'm looking at sophistication and complexity. I'm not expecting to talk much about that last one. I'll probably be talking about those first two. Sophistication and complexity only really comes in a situation where all of those other boxes are checked. And then they say, is this essay a, an excellent one or just a really well done one? Uh, and it's really hard to, to get that. They almost demand perfection from that essay. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think I could get that sophistication and complexity point uh, with a degree of regularity. You don't necessarily teach that. You hope for the right essay and the right time uh, with the right specific text. You know, sometimes you'll get a poem 
or a prose passage and go, oh, I get this one. And you just feel like your writing flows. That's when that sophistication and complexity one might come up. Okay. So without further ado, we're going to jump into essay number one. And I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to stop and talk about it. I'm going to go paragraph by paragraph. So here we go. In the excerpt from The Other Paris, author Mavis Gallant shows two different perspectives when it comes to marriage during a time period, which I'm guessing is in the 1950s. In The Other Paris, Gallant uses narrative voice and characterization to reveal that marriage was an expectation for people during this time period, as well as a way to fulfill other the other person's needs in a relationship. All right, so I have a few things that I see in this first paragraph. The first thing that I see is um, the during a time period. That's kind of general for the the re, or for the writer on this one. Keep in mind that at the very bottom of the text, it says it was written in 1953. Use that information. Especially if you're going to use it in the text or in your writing. All right. Uh, uses narrative voice. Tell me what kind of narrative voice. Same thing goes when it says shows two different perspectives. Tell me what those two perspectives are. Is it the perspective of maybe an overly emotional reaction and an overly pragmatic reaction or practical reaction? What are those two perspectives? Don't just say two. Tell me what they are. You don't have time to foreshadow what you're going to talk about later. Just talk about it. Um, yeah, I already said narrative voice. And characterization. What kind of characterization do we see? Characterization of two people who are maybe round characters, or I would say Carol is probably a conflicted character. That would be one thing that I might say about her. Another thing that I might say about Howard is that he is maybe pseudo-intellectual, right? He gets started by, you know, being this pragmatic person, but ultimately it was his decision, which was motivated by kind of some like rash emotionalism that motivated his decision to propose. Okay. Uh, one way or the other, make sure that we can bring that up. Also, I'm looking for the, the societal expectation, right? Where she, what, what do we see for social criticism? That marriage was an expectation for people during this time period. Is that different than other times? Uh, as well as a way to fulfill other person's needs in a relationship. That's good. But what I want to know is more exactly, how is this criticism of the particular society that the author is writing in? How exactly is she providing commentary about this culture as opposed to another culture? So right now, there's not quite a fully formed thesis yet. I'm hoping that we'll get more as we go. It's kind of a half thesis at this point in time. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay, readers, we persist. Mavis Gallant uses used narrative voice to show the different reasons there are to be married as well as how the two characters are compared to one another. In the third paragraph of the excerpt, Gallant wrote, similar economic backgrounds, financial security, belonging to the same church, these were pillars of a married union. Based on the reasons to get married in that sentence, the narrator conveys that the factors contributing to a good marriage had to do with having a similar 
social ranking, and having the same religion. Since marriages are not based on these standards at this day and age, the author reveals that this social commentary had to do with a completely different time period and social standards. In paragraph three, Gallant wrote, he was an economist who had sense enough to attach himself to a corporation that continued to pay his salary during his loan to the government. There was no reason for the engagement or the marriage to fail. The author suggests that if a man has a stable job and handles money well, then a marriage won't fail. The narrative voice in the excerpt shows that marriage is not based on whether two people are in love, but is based on social ranking during this time period. All right, so let's see here. Let's start with the quotes. I think the first place to look would be that first quote, similar economic backgrounds, financial security, belonging to the same church. These were pillars of a married union. Okay. The next thing, based on the reasons to get married in that sentence, the narrator conveys that the factors contributing to a good marriage had to do with having a similar social ranking and having the same religion. Since marriages are not based on these standards this day and age. Uh, I think it's so something to keep in mind. I don't actually think the author is implying that. And part of the reason why is we're supposed to kind of see through this. The narrative tone is something that's sort of matter of fact about it. It's sort of detached. Uh, this marriage, we can tell, doesn't sound romantic. And it doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. These don't really sound like characters that we want to be friends with or we'd really want to be um, friends with their families or, or things like that. These aren't really interesting people. Okay. And so because of that, I think what uh, Gallant is trying to show us is that while pragmatics might be important, they overshadow a lot of what she thinks is important. And even then, it's not, it's not an entire, uh, she's not trying to get rid of those things. Uh, I think what she's trying to say is that love is not just those things. It's not just an algorithm. But a lot of those things are still important. Uh, and that's why the author doesn't, ha doesn't have a sarcastic tone. It's also why the author doesn't have an overly romantic tone. It is sort of a neutral tone, which brings me to a point that I want to make of, and I'm hoping this essay gets to it. We'll see if it does. The narrative voice here is one that is in the third person. Okay. And so think about that for a second. This essay could have been, or this story could have been written in the first person, but it's not. We don't get a first person account. We are not inside the love story. We're outside of the love story. We are somebody sitting on a park bench watching this go on. Okay, And because of that, that almost emphasizes the detached nature of the love that Gallant is showing us, sort of this detached rationalism at least from the perspective of Carol. All right. Uh, the other part I want to bring out for this is, let's look at that second quote. All right. So go down a little ways. And he was an economist who had sense enough to attach himself to a corporation that continued to pay his salary during his loan to the government. There was no reason for the engagement or the marriage to fail. All right. So what we see here is an example of something that I would say is, is really common with all of you. 
Uh, I don't know how to say that any other way. Uh, but this is something that I've seen as a common mistake throughout the year. And actually, it's not even a mistake. It's something that we can do better. Because uh, this author, this writer, goes on, says, The author suggests that if a man has a stable job and handles money well, then a marriage won't fail. Yes, that's true. That's the suggestion. That's the inference that's there in the story. But the next question we have to ask ourselves is, what does the author want us to think of that inference? The, yeah, Mavis Gallant, she is suggesting that uh, that's the character's assumptions. But what does she want us to think about these characters? Does she want us to think that these characters are exemplars for us to live by? Or does she want us to think something else? And then that next question is, well, how do you know one way or the other? I would say that she doesn't want us to live the way that Carol and Howard do. Uh, but that, so then what do we do with that? Well, we have to figure out, she doesn't want us to see marriage as just a social transaction. Okay. Moving on, next paragraph. Gallant also uses characterization to show how the characters feel about marriage and their similarities. In the final third par or in the third paragraph, the narrator mentions how Carol was not in love with Howard, but that did not stop her from wanting to get married. In the second to last paragraph, the narrator talks about how proposing to Carol wasn't like Howard. These were two pieces of evidence suggest these two pieces of evidence suggests that Gallant characterize Howard and Carol as desperate and lonely. It seems like the two characters are barely even comfortable with each other, yet they are now engaged. Their desperation for marriage can either mean they are extremely lonely or just trying to meet society's expectations as fast as possible. Gallant also shows how Carol and Howard are similar in the way that their families' backgrounds and religion is the same. The author's use of characterization reveals society's expectations and people's desperation for companionship during this era. Good. This is a really strong paragraph. Uh, it has a lot about what Gallant is trying to do by showing us these particular characters and different aspects about them. The only criticism that I would really put in this paragraph is going to be that last part. She's showing us a picture of people's desperation for companionship. The question is though, what does she want us to think about this desperation? Does she want us to see this desperation and go, oh wow, I should be desperate too? Or does she want us to look at this desperation with a little bit of disgust? Not a lot, but enough for us to go, oh, that's not what this is supposed to be. And keep that in mind. So it's, it's not just that she's showing us a picture of something. It's what does she want us to think of the picture that she's showing us, right? So keep that in mind. Uh, but the rest of the paragraph, I think, is incredibly strong. And I want to see if I can find anything that I can point out specifically uh, that, well, I would say, actually, the one thing that I, I want everybody to notice on this one is Gallant his name is used multiple times and Gallant is the one who's acting. Gallant shows is one place. Um, their desperation for marriage only meets society's expectations possible. Gallant also shows how Carol and Howard are similar in the way their fam that their family's background and their religion is the same. Then again, the author's use 
of characterization reveals. So again, I like to see these what writer do verbs. That's going to be important uh, because it's we're talking not just about the work, but what Gallant is trying to do through the work. And as I'm looking through this section, I see the author mentioned three or four times. It means that that makes this a strong paragraph. All right, and now the final paragraph. In the other Paris, author Mavis Gallant shows how social expectations and desperation can lead to a rushed marriage between two people who aren't truly in love by using narrative voice and characterization. Both characters, Howard and Carol, wanted marriage so bad that they were willing to marry without falling in love. This reveals the pressure that can be put on people because of social expectations, as well as reliance on a significant other to fulfill certain needs the other has. Oh, that last sentence makes me really happy because this gives us that thesis. This is what I'm looking for when I'm saying I need a clear thesis. Uh, we didn't have it at the start, and sometimes that's okay. Sometimes you don't exactly know what you're writing. But by the time we get to the end, this reveals the pressure that can be put on people because of social experience expectations, as well as reliance on a significant other to fulfill certain needs the other has. The difficult part with this is the next question we have to ask ourselves, though, is how does that thesis relate to the evidence that was given in this particular essay? How much of this was talk was about social pressure? Or was it pressure that was put on by the characters themselves? Right? Uh, an essay that was trying to prove this last sentence could have done a few things. It could have added to the emphasis that Howard had from his sister. Uh, it also could have taken... Carol and where she got her understanding of marriage from a bunch of classes at a university and used both of those a little bit more. It also could have, uh, if you were really trying to dig deeper, asked where exactly Carol got her initial understanding of what love was, right? So Carol is a conflicted character. Uh, she has this view of her engagement being something with fireworks near the Eiffel Tower. It's sort of this dream, this over-romanticized, unrealistic thing. And she has that. And then her real, her real engagement is the exact opposite. Lunch with a tuna sandwich. Okay. And, but she says that's okay. She thinks that that other one is okay. But does she think so reluctantly? And the question that might be worth asking is, where did she get both of those ideas? She got one from university, but we don't know where she got the other one. And maybe, just maybe, both of those things are trying to be in play. So because of that, this essay gets a one for its thesis. And then in the middle, I'm going to give it a two. And then I'm going to give it a zero for complexity. Okay, The evidence was strong in places, but there were several places that it needed to connect more with that final thesis of social pressure uh, being something that influences us towards marriage. But I think overall, it's still a strong essay. All right, so on to the second essay. As I said previously, I think all of these will likely be strong essays. 
the goal behind this is not to uh, criticize you all so you feel terrible about this. In fact, it's sort of to tell you where to go next and what exactly we can do to improve from an already strong essay. Uh, even getting a one or a two on an essay in this class still means that you have to have relatively strong analysis. So don't get yourselves down. Don't don't think of this as a normal grade, right? The idea is what they what they say in this AP grading is we're here to reward you for what you do well. Okay, and so we assume that you're already all able to do these essays to a certain degree. We're taking the really good stuff and giving you points for that. Okay, so with that in mind, we're going to jump into essay number two. The author's use of a third-person omniscient narrator conveys the fact that the narrator is a separate entity from the characters in the story, allowing for a plausible opinion that is able to poke fun at the characters in the story. In a similar way, through the characterization of Carol and Howard, the audience is also able laugh, able to laugh at the situation. Together, this subtlety this subtly, sorry, creates a critical commentary on the idea of love and marriage. All right, so the reasons in this thesis are incredibly strong. Unfortunately, the theme is underdeveloped. Okay, so we're going to have to get better with that as the, as the essay goes on. But that doesn't mean that there's no thesis here. There's a lot to start with. We just have to make sure it goes a little bit further. Uh, specifically, I think the t discussion of the third person omniscient narrator is really strong in this case. It conveys the fact that the narrator is a separate entity from the characters in the story. That's true. And then, but it goes farther. It allows for a plausible, I don't know if you need the word plausible here, allows a plausible opinion that is able to poke fun at the characters in the story, right? So we're watching this play out as the reader. We're not involved in the story. We're not in the middle of it. Uh, think in contrast, never let me go. You can't help but sympathize with Kathy because she, it's her version of the story that we're getting. In this story, we're, we're sort of people sitting on a park bench watching this all play out in front of us. Okay, so with that in mind, let's go to the next paragraph. The narrator knows the thoughts and motives of both Howard and Carol. So we see from an objective standpoint the humor in some of the interactions and ideals that these two characters share, or for that matter, do not share. The narrator recognizes and acknowledges the audience's usual idea of love and marriage. So by contrasting that idea with the ideas of both Howard and Carol, the narrator creates subtle humor that speaks volumes about the nature of their relationship. It seems to the audience that the characters are getting married for the wrong reasons, and it is hard to tell who is more at fault in the situation, Carol or Howard, because the narrator provides the audience with the reasoning of both characters for their marriage, and it is intentionally questionable. All right. Uh, as I mentioned with the last essay, our questions need to go farther than what we see in the story, but what the author wants us to think about what we see in the story. And with that, I see this a lot here. Uh, there's a little bit of summary in some places, uh, and it would be helpful if there were some more specific details given. With that in mind, though, most of this paragraph is commentary. 
right? Uh, because it's talking about what the author's purpose is, right? It, look at the very last part. It seems to the audience that the characters are getting married for the wrong reasons, right? That's the way the author wants us to feel. And it's also hard for us to tell who is at fault in the situation. That's, again, something that uh, we that the author wants us to, to think. We, we can't really figure out who's at fault. Now, what would make this analysis better would be if it weren't just about Carol or Howard. What if it was about Carol or Howard or our education system or our family pressures, right? They have different, or the city that they're living in, right? There's almost three different forces that are all working on Carol and Howard. The city that they live in is Paris, which has this fabulistic, over-romanticized version of love behind it, which we see in Carol in the first paragraph. As you go further, though, you also realize that Carol has some influences in her own life, some social pressures pushing on her to make her think pragmatically. Finally, you have Howard, who has these social pressures in a different way from, her, from his family. Okay. And so it might be better to say it is hard to tell who is more at fault in the situation, Carol, her schooling, Howard, his family, or the city of Paris and its romantic uh, mythology, right? There's actually possibly five different things that could be at fault. And because of that, this particular essayist, the person writing this, is right to say that it's hard to tell who is at fault. But let's take that a little bit farther. Okay, because the narrator provides the audience with the reasoning of both characters for their marriage and is intentionally questionable. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to read that again. It looks like that I've already discussed that. Uh, that's the perils of me not looking at these essays before I started. Okay, next section. Aside from the mere style of narration, the audience is able to read more into the author's commentary through the characterization of Carolyn Howard. The author emphasizes the outside factors that contribute to these characters' ideals, ideas and beliefs. Things like education, intelligence, lectures, age, family, and job security are just some of these factors. Ironically, these factors are completely these characters are completely aware of this, yet they do not care. The narrator states that the fact that Carol was not in love with Howard did not dismay her in the least. This provides an even deeper and funnier insight into marriage than before. And something is similar, and something similar is said for Howard. This all leaves the audience with a different, more critical idea of marriage that they may not have thought of before. Uh, I like the first half of this last sentence, but I don't think that second half is next necessary. This all leaves the audience with a different, more critical idea of marriage period. I don't think you need to add that they may not have thought of before. If, if they've thought of it, great. If they haven't, oh well. But it does, it should leave us to say, oh, hmm, the fact that she didn't love him in the least didn't dismay her. Or sorry, the fact that she was not in love with Howard did not dismay her in the least, right? He's, the author here is absolutely right that this is supposed to be funny. Uh, but why is it funny? Tell me a little bit more about what exactly is it that makes this funny. Uh, marriage is, well, connected with the idea of romantic love. But 
is it only about that? Is it only about a specific feeling? Uh, probably not also, right? So there's, there's meant to be some complexity in here. And so if you can explain exactly what makes this funny, I think you'll have a better understanding uh, or you'll have a better essay. It'll be more complete in this case, right? Let's look at this last part. Uh, also, uh, the other part I'm going to point out here is uh, the, the promise that was made in that first paragraph, right? Where it says uh, critical commentary, we finally have a little bit more of a theme. And so this one's going to get a, a thesis uh, point because of this last sentence, right? This all leaves the audience with a different, more critical idea of marriage. Uh, I, I think at this point in time, because we see that that has to do with the pressures and social factors around us as essentially tainting the institution of marriage beyond what it should be, uh, is sort of the criticism that's being provided. Because of that, it's sort of an implied full thesis, but it's there throughout the essay. All right, finally, through narrative voice and characterization, the author reveals to the reader the idea that marriage is never what it appears to be on the outside. That could work too. It is not Paris, the city of love. It is the other Paris. That's not a bad um, conclusion. It's, it's a short conclusion, but we also get a little bit more of the author's or the readers, the essayists' understanding of how some of this plays out. You see this one last parting shot of this contrast between Paris, the city of love, and then what you see in the story itself. Okay, And because of that, this one is going to get a little bit higher grade than the last one. It's going to get a one, a three, and a zero. It doesn't have quite that full... Um, it doesn't have the same sort of, I would say, uh, let's see here, sorry, give me a moment to think. It doesn't earn the complexity score like the last one, but the, I would say the evidence connects closer to the author's ultimate thesis. And because of that, uh, I would give that a slightly higher score. All right, so we are now moving on to that last essay. All right, and uh, I'm glad with the essays that we've seen so far. I think you've seen two strong essays. Uh, both of them have room to improve though also. So for those of you who are looking at these essays going, wow, these ones are better than what I can do, that's, that's fine. Reach for that. Look at, use these as examples. Uh, for those of you who are looking at these essays and are unimpressed, uh, hopefully you can get something out of the process that we've been going through with them and trying to figure out how we can make them better. Okay. So with that in mind, here's our last essay. And uh, then I will let you all go. In the passage, Mavis Gallant characterizes Carol and Howard as being efficient and insecure, respectively. The characterization of the couple gives social commentary of how, in a sense, love is dead. All right, so that's the best thesis I've heard so far from these three. Uh, you'll notice that there is a very clear understanding with this of what that theme is uh, and what the social commentary is. Also, you have some clear reasons of, of who Carol is and who Howard is. Carol is efficient and Howard is insecure. 
right? And so um, while I think I might disagree a little bit with those words, again, it's a really clear understanding of what this author is going to be arguing through the rest of this essay. Okay, so let's look at this next part. The passage clearly walks through the characterization of Carol and Howard as a pair and each as an individual. The characterization of the couple gives suit to how the two have very few in common. I think they missed a word, but that's okay. I can still understand what they're talking about. Uh, or you could say very little in common. Uh, they have similar economic backgrounds, financial security, and both belong to the same church. The narration also includes the fact that Howard is an economist with good sense. The characterization of the couple then closes with stating that there is no reason for the engagement or marriage to fail. Uh, this part feels a little bit like too much summary to me um, because, well, I wanted to start providing commentary right at the end. Uh, so I will. The characterization of the couple then closes with stating that there is no reason for the engagement or marriage to fail. The narration says that, and it says it so deadpan, so matter-of-factly, right? Well, there's no reason for it to fail. And yet, is that true for all of us as the readers? I think every single person so far has said, well, that's not what love is supposed to be uh, that I've read so far. And I'm, I'm about 30 essays in uh, so far with this. And so it's clear to all of us that this is not what love is supposed to look like. And yet this is exactly what the um, narrator says, is there's no reason for it to fail. We can think of plenty of reasons for it to fail. Okay, And because of that, that's where we want to start talking about what's the author doing. Hopefully that will happen uh, through the rest of the essay. But right now we're, we're a little bit more summary. After that first thesis, we have probably a little too much summary and not enough analysis yet. Carol is characterized as being efficient because her outlook on love and marriage is based on facts and circumstances. Carol's depiction of love is a chemical reaction or a mathematical equation. That's good. Let's take it farther. Uh, what exactly does the, what is the author doing by showing us this picture of Carol? Um, is it emphasizing something? Is it highlighting or stating something? Is it trying to heighten our sense of something else, right? Uh, that may be another place to add some commentary. Howard, on the other hand, only sees marriage as security. While this is also not unlike Carol's outlook on the topic, Howard's only reason for marriage is because he feels he needs a companion to accomplish tasks at home. Unless Howard had a competent housemaid, nothing would ever be accomplished. This is Howard's motivation for marriage, along with a compelling statement from his sister. His sister told him that he should marry a nice girl, or soon he'll just be a person who fills in at dinner. Um, again, there's a little bit more uh, commentary here, and it's sort of woven in with summary. So um, some things like this of Car Carol is characterized as being efficient. Right, that's that's going to be commentary. But after that, her outlook on love and marriage is based on facts and circumstances. 
yeah, that's that's where you would say that's mostly summary. Uh, Howard, on the other hand, sees marriage as security. Again, this is an important thing to remember. But why do why does the author want these two characters interacting with each other? They're different, and that's something that that this particular essayist has picked up is Carol and Howard are different. They have different kinds of outlooks, but neither of them have the outlook of Paris, right? Like there's, there's neither of them is what we would consider to be this hopeless romantic character. Um, And so why isn't, you know, why is it that these two characters are together instead of Mavis Gallant deciding to take, say, a really romantic person and a really efficient person and have them commit to marriage together. But that didn't happen. So we have to ask ourselves, why did the author choose this instead of something else? Both Carol and Howard see marriage as security. Marriage is an economic decision that minimally involves love or passion. The narrative voice emphasizes this because of the cold tone in the passage. Good. This sentence is, is, going, is strong commentary. The voice emphasizes this because of the cold tone, right? So we see what the cold tone does is it's emphasizing that marriage is an economic decision that minimally involves love or passion, especially because of the second and third paragraphs in the passage. The second paragraph gives imagery of how Carol would view Howard's proposal. And the third paragraph contradicts Carol's visualization with reality. The contradicts word here is going to be important, right? Because it's, again, setting up some of these ideas. This gives notion to the passion of marriage being after the fact. While in the present, it was only a spur-of-the-moment economic decision. Okay. Uh, There's more commentary in this one than there were in the last ones, uh, but there's still not a whole lot of of commentary going on. still mostly summary, uh, but, well, I would say it's about 50-50 in this case. Uh, This paragraph is what I would say we're looking for overall. Characterization of Carol and Howard and the narrative voice of the passage gives social commentary on modern romance. Even the title of the short story, The Other Paris, gives way to the idea that there's a hyperbolic visualization of romance, while there's a more plain, disconnected reality of the connection between two people. Uh, I think that's good. I think that uh, the... The strongest parts of this essay are the first and last paragraphs. Um, the middle ones, I think, provide a clear laying out of the facts that are necessary for this particular essayist to make the argument that's trying to be made here. But there's just not quite enough connections. Uh, and because of that, uh, this essay, I'm going to wind up giving it um, a one. Now, honestly, with the thesis, I, if I could give it a two, I would but I can't because one is as high as it goes. Uh, And then a one, because we just need more, more of those ideas. There's a really strong foundation there, but there's just not enough to get us to that too, as far as connecting it back to the thesis. Um, And again, it's, it's unfortunate because I see all of the groundwork and honestly, I think, feel like I could make a lot of those connections myself, but that's not my job. My job is to read what is written there. Uh, and then again, that elusive last complexity sophistication score is probably a zero. So this is a one, one, zero 
this is a really impressive one one zero, right? But uh, the important thing to remember is sort of not just exactly, you know, are we accomplishing what we need to accomplish in the essay? So uh, I'm, I actually am really pleased with the three essays that we were able to discuss. I think for all of you who managed to listen through this whole thing, I'm sorry, this was longer than I expected it to be. Uh, but for all of you who have managed to listen through this whole thing, hopefully you walked out with a decent understanding of what you could do to improve uh, or what ideas you could steal from one of these particular people. Okay. Um, and so with that, thank you so much to all three of you who decided to volunteer. Uh, I really appreciate it. I hope that you appreciate the feedback. Uh, I, again, really thought these essays were good. Um, I'm trying to give you an accurate understanding of what grade this would get on that AP test. And it's so it's not me grading it as much as trying to give you uh, a report as to what the rubric says for the AP test that my understanding is we're still going to take at the end of the year. All right. And so with that, signing off, thank you so much. Go Vipers.